You're listening to Crossroads International Church Podcast. Welcome. We hope this podcast will bless you from wherever you're listening to it. For more information, go to our website at xrgs.nl. Now, let's get into the podcast. Hello, everybody. Good morning. Uh, Welcome. Uh, Good to be with you. And um, so... Uh, Today we're wrapping up a series. In fact, actually today what we're doing is we're not just wrapping up the series about vines and vineyards vineyards and us being God's vines. It's actually because for me the series was an extension of the previous series. So it's wrapping up my whole, um, my my sabbatical. So, So you will know by now that I, so first of all, I'm turning 50 next month. I I know what you're thinking. I don't look a day over 30. I know, but uh, sure. So I'm turning 50 next month. And and so I took a month's sabbatical uh, and spent it in the African wilderness. And the idea behind it was, I, I just, you know what, I just... So turning 50, right, it's like, but that realization of, okay, well, so probably half my life's now done. Um, it sounds sad, but it's, it's, it's true. That's the thing, it's true. And so wanting to take a month to just reflect upon the person that I am. You know, who, who am I meant to be, the kind of person that I want to be the kind of way that I want to be remembered, the kind of life I want to live, you know, a life worthy of the sacrifice that Jesus made for me. I want to live a life that he would be proud of. And so reflecting about all that stuff and so wrapped up in that is stuff about, about calling and destiny and, and purpose and meaning and, and reflecting upon all that kind of stuff. And, and so used two pictures that the Bible uses a lot. The pictures or the metaphors of wilderness and vines and vineyards and and good fruit and grapes and wine. To use those pictures to reflect upon this idea that, God, who who do you want me to be? Why? Why am I here? Why do I draw breath? And, and, and wanting to live a full life, a life, good grapes, the best wine, wanting to live a full life, but also understanding that I can only really under- come to those answers when I understand who Jesus is and what he wants for me. And so this whole picture of we are his vines. He's the vine dresser. And, and he wants us to, to grow and mature and not just be a bunch of sticks and leaves, but to produce good fruit, good grapes, the best wine. And so that's what this imagery has been, been, been about the last couple of weeks. And understanding that at times, and this is where the wilderness series comes in, in order to produce good fruit, there needs to be some cutting back, some cutting out, some wilderness experiences. So today we're wrapping all of this up. And next week is going to be great. I can't wait. We're going to talk about Christmas. Advent starts next week. We're going to look at the Christmas story. But today, let's just bring this this season to a close. 
living a life of becoming, producing good fruit, bearing good fruit, becoming, being the person that God wants us to be. Ultimately, being more like Jesus. Living a life worthy of him and his sacrifice for us. So we're coming to the end of this little cycle about we, we are planted as young vines and then we grow when we begin to bear leaves and then there's some pruning that happens, seasons of wilderness and, and then we kind of grow fruit and now we're going to look at the harvest, because let's talk about this. Uh, the whole purpose is not just that vines grow beautiful grapes, good fruit, and then they just hang there and look pretty. And we take photos and think, oh, what, what lovely grapes. No, they need to be harvested. So we're going to talk about the harvest. And then, okay, now we've harvested the grapes, and they're just kind of there in the barrels and, or, or in the baskets. And aren't they lovely? Just looking at those lovely grapes in the baskets, it's so good. No, what do they become? What happens to the grapes after the harvest? And that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at the harvest and we're going to look at wine. Your favorite part. Matthew 9, verse 35 to verse 38. We have the story in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9, and Jesus now tells a story, and this is what he says. Remember all of this in the context of, of vineyards, producing fruit, wilderness, becoming, living a, a life that is full and being fully alive, being the people God wants us to be. In that context, we read the story. Matthew 9. So Jesus traveled among all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, announcing the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and every sickness. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, when Jesus saw the people, he had compassion for them. Because they were troubled and they were helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, The size of the harvest is bigger than you can ever imagine. But there are few workers. Therefore, Plead with the Lord of the harvest to send out workers to gather in his harvest. Okay. What's the harvest? What's Jesus talking about? The harvest, we understand, is human beings. That's the harvest. That's what he's talking about, right? So he's saying, I've, I've, I've gone into the world. I've gone into the harvest field, and I've, and I've talked about the kingdom of God. 
And I've seen just as I'm out in the harvest field, I've seen people who are in pain, who are broken, who are troubled, who are hurting. And I've taught them about the kingdom of God. I've preached, I've teached, I've, I've, I've done miracles and I've, and, and I've brought healing to many. I've been out there and you need to hear as I come back from the harvest field, I need to say to you, the need is enormous. Jesus is saying, boy, oh boy. There's a lot of hurt out there, is what Jesus is saying. There's a lot of sin and evil and darkness and pain and brokenness and suffering out there, is what Jesus is saying. Boy, there's a big job. But the workers are few. And so Jesus is saying, what's he saying? He's saying, listen. In one sense, you are the harvest. We are the harvest. But then he also says, you need to go and bring in the harvest. So we are both the harvest and the harvest workers sent to go into the field to, to go. And see, here's the thing. This passage, Jesus is saying to us, there is a tremendous need. And if not my followers, if not my church, if not my people, who will bring in the harvest? Who then, if not you? This ties in beautifully. You remember when Jesus taught us how to pray? You remember that? He taught us to pray what? He said, Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why? Why do we pray that way? Because, well, it isn't fully here yet. It's not established yet, and that's why we have to pray for it. So let me put up a little diagram because I can't draw, so I asked Julie to make a slide. And so part of what Jesus is saying here, if we put the slide up, is so the bottom line is kind of the world as it is. And that top line is kind of the world as it should be, and Jesus describes that as the kingdom of God. And in this passage, what he's saying is, he's saying to us, look, you and I are meant to go and bridge that gap between the world as it is and the world as it should be. Go out into the harvest field. Will you have compassion Will you bear fruit of justice and righteousness? Will you see the hurt and the pain and the brokenness around you? And will you do something about it? Will you say, yes, Lord, here I am, send me. Send me to my neighbor, to my work colleague, to my wherever. We are called to gather in the harvest. I, as I thought about this gathering in the harvest, I, I this morning got an email. I haven't got my phone. Uh, uh, WhatsApp. I got a WhatsApp from Pastor uh, 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 Proshak uh, Vadim. And he sent me some photos about the generators that we bought. They've been installed. And uh, he sent me a little video clip of... Um, it's dark and it's complete darkness and then they fire up the generator and uh, then all the lights in the house and the church go on. 
Isn't it beautiful? And a long WhatsApp, just thank you so much. Said, Paul, please say thank you to the people of Crossroads. They cannot begin to understand what a difference this is making for us in our lives. And I thought about that as I was reading this. Will we have compassion? There is... For the harvest, but there's trouble, there's hurt, there's pain. Will you go in and make a difference and be my hands and feet and produce fruit of justice and righteousness and love? And, and just as I was thinking this, he sends me this WhatsApp saying, please thank the church. And I, and I couldn't help but think again about Crossroads as a church. The kind of people we want to be, the kind of people we are called to be, why we are here. We want to be a people that encounter Jesus Christ. That when we gather, we want to meet Jesus because we understand all the stuff about meaning and purpose and being the man or woman that God wants us to be is wrapped up in encountering Jesus in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why we do what we do so that we can all encounter Jesus. We want to be a community that embraces one another, that, that learns how to love one another. And then we want to be a community that engages the world. We have said in our vision, in our mission, in our goal, in our values, call it whatever you want, that we want to be a people that say, yes, Jesus, send us into the harvest field to gather in the grapes. What would that look like in your life? If you were to say, Jesus, if you were to recognize as you wrestle with, with stuff around wilderness and being, uh, being his vine and producing good grapes, and you understand that I am the harvest, and in our, my, but this movement in my journey with Jesus, it's always this duality. There's this, there's this calling, but there's always the sending. It's come to me and then go. <laughs> come and be healed and grow and then go. What would that look like if I say, yes, Lord, send me. I want to go. I want to see the world as it is. I want to recognize the pain around me. And then I want to learn from Jesus what the world should be like. And then I want to say, yes, Lord, use me to bridge that gap between what is and what should be. What would that look like in your life now? And this is what I... So I want to share with you what I believe is part of the fruit that we are producing as a community. You know, Leonard and Lydia have been part of our community for many years now. And uh, some of you read this in our newsletter. Um, and I just wanted to say to you again uh, from stage, if you missed the newsletter, they have for a long while felt a calling of God saying to them, in essence, will you see the harvest field? Will you be my workers in the harvest field? And so they've spent time with us and growing and, and, and learning and becoming closer to Jesus, growing closer, producing good fruit. And part of that producing good fruit, part of being that is not just uh, living a full life with good fruit, but it becomes wine. I, I then offer my life as a worker in the harvest field, right? And that's what Leonard and Lydia said. They said, yes, Lord, use us. And so God has laid on their heart to plant a church in America, uh, well, USA, um, in it's, um, North Carolina, right? In North Carolina, they are leaving next summer. Uh, they are completely stepping out in faith and have said, God, this is what it looks like for us in our life saying yes to your call to be church planters 
on the other side of the planet. And so they're stepping out in, in a massive way, out of that boat, big step of faith for them. And, and I just wanted you to be aware, because you'll hear talk, oh, Leonard and Lydia are leaving and all of that. They are next summer or just before summer next year, they're leaving. And um, I just wanted those of you who missed the newsletter to know about that and then to pray for them. Go and talk with them. Go and hear their story. And for us as a church community, this is how I said, that's, they are fruit that we've produced as a community. And we said, God, take our fruit and produce great wine out of it. And may many, many thirst be quenched because of the wine that their lives are, that we have produced as a community. Isn't that nice? So that's what it looks like for them. What does it look like for you? Okay, that's the harvest. Let's move on. My time. Let's now get to the real sermon. They think I'm joking. <laughs> so now the harvest comes in. What happens to the grapes once the harvest is in? Yes, some of them will become table grapes, but the vast majority will become wine. Good wine. There's this incredible story in John's gospel, chapter 2, verses 1 to 10, that talks about wine. Let's have a little read. Now listen, if you've got your Bible, get it out. If you've got a pen, get ready because you're going to want to take some notes here. If you don't, get your, fo your phone out and make some notes and highlight. Get John chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. We're going to dissect this passage a little bit. I wish we had one of those, and I'm not going to say it because... Johan's going to hate me. I wish we had one of those boards where I can... Anyway, we don't. We'll just go. Okay, John 2, here we go. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. When the wine ran out, Jesus' mother said to him, They don't have any wine. Jesus replied, Woman, what does it have to do with me? My time hasn't come yet. His mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish cleansing ritual, each able to hold about 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some from it and take it to the head waiter. And they did. The head waiter tasted the water, but it had become wine. He didn't know where it came from. Though the servants who had, uh, but the servants who had uh, drawn the water, they knew. The head waiter called the groom and said, "Everyone serves the good wine first. They bring out the second-rate wine only when the guests are drinking freely. In other words, when they're drunk. You kept the good wine until now. Amen. Listen, what an incredible passage. Okay, shall we have a look at what this means? And this is really how we're going to end this series, and then we're going to go into Advent next week. A couple of notes about John's Gospel. If you want to know what book of the Bible to read, jump into John's Gospel. It's my favorite book. It is so rich. It is a beautiful book. I think I've said this to you before. When you read John's Gospel, you really need to remember that you need to read it on two levels. John always kind of, in a sense, writes on two levels. First of all, there's this kind of surface level where he's writing about a wedding. There's a wedding, and they run out of wine. 
Okay, great. It's a story about a wedding. But with John, a wedding is never just a wedding. <laughs> There's always this deeper level that he writes at. There's always this deeper meaning, and he does it. And so when you read John, almost, almost every word, almost every phrase has a deeper meaning, has something special uh, to say. And he's so beautifully rich. It's just dripping with just the love of God and, and food for us. And he does it for two reasons. Number one, so that you and I can get to know Jesus. And so that we can come to understand who Jesus really is. And the second reason why John does this is so that you and I can understand what that means for my life. What that means when I put my faith in Jesus, when I put my trust in Jesus, what then happens? What's the consequence for me by trusting this Jesus? And that's why he does it. He writes with this. So when we read this passage, part of when we, if, if you look at how John Right, So when there's miracles, like this miracle of the wedding, he refers to it always or, or mentions it as a miraculous sign. In John, we read about the miraculous signs, the miraculous signs. And that's how John wants us to understand it. It's not just a miracle. It's not just a wedding that ran out of wine and then water became wine. It's not just that. It's not a miracle. It's a miraculous sign. It's a miracle that is a sign of something. It wants to point somewhere. So when you read about this wedding and the wine, you must know it's actually a sign of something. There's a message it's not just about a wedding and running out of wine. Okay, so here we go. You're ready for it. So this happens where? At a, at a wedding. Ah, now here it begins. Okay, right. Now, I, now I'm meant to think about weddings. And I'm meant to think about brides and grooms. I'm meant to think about Hosea in the Old Testament where we have this imagery about God being the groom and Israel being the bride. I'm meant to think about this idea that we now is pulled through for us into the New Testament about where Jesus is the groom and we, the church, becomes the bride. So it happens at a wedding. So John wants us to think as we as New Testament believers read this passage, we are meant to now begin to think about, okay, this has got something to do with relationships, this story. Intimate relationships. Could it possibly have something to do, this story, about my relationship with God? This is a story about relationship. It happens at a wedding. So there's my first note. There's my first clue as to what's going on here. And then it says... On the third day. Okay, so now we're dealing with John, right? So whenever we have these phrases, that's like John giving us a little wink and a little, you know. Okay, are you with me? On the third day, are you awake? John is like saying, what else happened on the third day? Okay, somebody, anybody. <laughs> what else happened on the third day? Resurrection. Okay, so it's about relationship. Maybe with me and God, I'm now meant to think about on the third day, what else happened on the third day? Jesus rose from dead. So now I'm meant to think about stuff, about stuff around from death to life, from emptiness to fullness, from darkness to light, from, from, from uh, living a, 
an empty life to flourishing and fullness. I'm meant to think along these terms about God wants to possibly, I'm thinking as I'm reading the story, maybe this is what John wants me to know. This might point into something that God wants to do for me. He wants to bring life where there has been death on the third day. Come on, John. We know what's happening here. That's John's gospel. You've got to be awake. A little eye wink on the third day. <laughs> I love it. This is so good. On the third day, at this wedding, Jesus arrives on the third day. Shows up on day three. Love it. So what you must understand about weddings in those days, they were not the way we do weddings here, where it lasts a couple of hours and then we send everybody home. The wedding lasted for seven days, a whole week. They knew how to celebrate things. We can maybe learn something from them about celebrating life and celebrating stuff. So the wedding lasted for seven days, and the worst possible thing happened. Three days into a seven-day party, they run out of wine. Unimaginable, the tragedy. Can you just imagine it? John says to us, another little wink, another little wink. Yes, the world promises much, but it can't deliver. <laughs> is what John is saying. You think you're going to a good party and it will last. The world promises much, it looks good, but it can't deliver. It's not going to last. Three days and the wine's up. That's what life is like without Jesus. John wants us to know. Three days and the wine's done. It looks good at first, but it doesn't last. Promises much, can't deliver. Run out of wine three days in. Life without Jesus wants to show us. Do you see what it's like when Jesus is not around? When he's not in your life? When you're not in a relationship with him? You think you're having a good time. But you're going to wake up on day three with no wine and a massive headache. Huge hangover. Life without Jesus. Jesus shows up. So Mary comes to him and says, Jesus, they haven't got any wine left. Please do something. Now, I, I wonder about that because I'm wondering, like, okay, well, what was she thinking he was going to do? He hasn't done anything like this before. This was his first miraculous sign. I mean, it's not like he goes around from wedding to wedding turning water into wine. I mean, what was she thinking? But there was just something about Mary that she knew Whatever the situation was, and in this case it was no wine, Jesus is the answer. I'm not exactly sure what you're going to do or what plan you've got up your sleeve, Jesus, but I know I need to go to you because you are the one that can fix whatever crisis I'm facing right now. You are the one with the answer. You are the one with the solution. And so she goes to Jesus, and then here's this 
classic line again, another phrase, another little wink from John. She goes to the servants and she says, do whatever he says. Who are the servants? Put your hand up if you're a servant of Jesus. Who are the servants? Okay, so, John's not, okay, so maybe, maybe this is about me now. So Mary, Mary goes to the servants. Do whatever he says. Be obedient to him. Listen to him. And you will find yourself in the midst of something remarkable. That's what's happening here, right? And the message is the same. It says, listen, you out of wine? Hmm. Get to know Jesus. Follow him. Listen to him. Do whatever he teaches, what he says, what he asks, and your life will become a miracle. You will find yourself in the midst of something remarkable. Because of him, in him, through him, with him, by him, water is about to become wine. And so now I'm beginning to really now have a strong suspicion this is actually not just about a wedding, but this is about me. And the kind of relationship that God wants to have with me. A covenantal marriage. Life where there is death. Wanting me to understand that I cannot without him, that he is the answer. Cool story, right? I hope so. It's not just me. Okay, anyway. Right. We're almost done. Don't worry. I'm almost done. There were six. And then, okay, great. So it goes to Jesus. Do whatever he says. He said, okay, there are six stone jars. It's significant. This is John we're dealing with here. Because we expect the jars to be made of clay. Not stone. They're made of stone, not clay. Ding, ding, ding. Significance. John gives us a bit of clue. He helps us out because he knows we're a bit slow. He knows we're not. So he says, and they were used for ritual purification and used in rituals. Ding. Okay. Thanks, John. Got it. Know what's happening here. Gives us that extra clue. And he's saying, Jesus will give you a life. He wants to do for you what no religion, because understand, the way to God then, the way I was in relationship with God back then, the only option I really had was by following laws and rules and rituals and this and that. And that was the way that I, that I could be in relation with God. John is saying, Jesus does something different. He does something new. He wants to give you stuff that no, just living a good life or following all the rules or any religion, none of that can do for you what Jesus can and wants to do for you. Nothing else. No one else. You cannot do for yourself what he can do for you. Is what John wants us to understand. And then he says, okay, take it and fill it to the brim. Okay, so now I'm really, I think now I'm certain this is about my life and what God wants to do for me. When was the last time you felt like you were full to the brim? Huh? When was the last time? 
because this now represents, John now helps us see the kind of life Jesus wants to give to you and me, the kind of relationship he wants us to be in. He wants to fill my life to the brim, and it's a symbol of what? Think about when my life is so full to the brim, it's symbolic of what? Joy, fullness. Flourishing, completeness, a full life. He's saying here, Jesus wants to take your life. And he wants to give you joy in a way that nothing or no one else can give. He wants you to live a joyous life. Okay, and then the whole miracle happened. Then the guy goes and he like takes it. But now it's not water anymore. Now it's wine. But wait, it's not just any wine. It is the best wine. And so do we get what John is saying? He's saying when we say yes to Jesus, he takes the ordinary. He takes an ordinary life. When we say, yes, Lord, I want to be your vine. I want to be your branches. I want to abide in you. I want to remain in you. I want to produce good fruit. Jesus says, what I will do for you is I will give you life in all its fullness of joy. And I'll take ordinary life and make it full. Isn't that good? I mean, if you think about it, if you work out, do some calculations of all those stone jar things, it's roughly the equivalent of about 500 bottles of the best wine. So he says, listen, you invite me into your life, I'll bring 500 bottles of wine with me. <laughs> what a party guest to have, right? Jesus says, invite me. And you will live a full life. But wine is something that is shared. Not only will you experience a full life, but your life will give life to others. That's what I want to do for you. We'll end there. Let us pray. Maybe before I pray, maybe if you want to, if some of you want to stand and you can stand as you Maybe just feel that, God, I, my life has not been full, actually, for a while. 